Hello and welcome to The Place to Be, a Seinfeld podcast. I'm your host, Adam. And I'm Eric. On today's episode, we welcome Seinfeld legend and TikTok sensation Annie Corzin. Annie played Doris Klompus in three classic episodes of Seinfeld, The Pen, The Raincoats, and The Cadillac. She also played an airline passenger who bothers Elaine in the amazing season four episode, The Airport, and we're so honored that she can join us today. Thank you for being with us, Annie. Oh, I'm happy. I love talking about myself. My favorite thing to do. <laughs> oh, great. So when did you first hear about the role on Seinfeld? I had moved it. This was like 91, and the show had not taken off yet. Very few people knew about it. And really what happened was there was a better-known actress who was offered the role, and she turned it down because it was just a couple of lines. So my agent called me because I was not well-known at all, and I never say no to anything. So I went <laughs> and I did. It was a couple of nines. I, and, then, and then I came home, and we watched the episode. That was um, The Pen. Yes. That was my first, which then became an iconic episode. And, and my husband said, uh, well, I don't get it. It's not about anything. Famous last word. <laughs> And now he does not go to sleep at night without watching at least three episodes. I mean, a night, uh, right? So <laughs> a man after I, my own I heart. That, and I did not know that it would recur. So it recurred. And then, as you say, I got the other, I did the other, uh, the second character. And since 1991, I believe I have earned something like $100,000 in residuals. So I often think about that actress who turned it down because she made a mistake there, didn't she? Yeah, that's so true. And what was the audition like for that role? I think at that point, I was much younger than I am. They, I was actually playing older than myself. And they were trying to figure out how they could age me. They did some, they did some aging makeup on me because Doris Klomp was now, of course, I could do it without any problem. <laughs> but at that time, I was actually too young for the role. So it was lucky that I got it. And um, in order, and I had just moved to LA and I've never been much of a driver. And the first day of shooting, I had to get myself, I don't know if you know about LA and the Valley. Uh, I had to get myself to the Valley on my own. And somehow I took a wrong turn and I ended up on the, and I don't drive freeways at all. I can't, I don't know how to get on. I don't know how to merge, blah, blah, blah. And, um, I suddenly found myself on the fast lane of the 101 freeway and my exit was next. So I literally took my life in my hands to do this job. I, I really did. <laughs> it took every ounce of courage in me and it was well worth it. I almost died, but I didn't. And here I am. It ended up working out in the end. <laughs> so can you describe what the atmosphere was like on the set? It was very nice. It was very friendly. It was very New York Jewy. A lot of uh, takeout Chinese containers all the time. Uh, at one point, we had to stop early because Jerry wanted to get to services uh, for, I, I don't know, one of the important Jewish holidays. Um, I will say on that show, maybe more than most shows, the directors really just moved equipment around. The people who directed you were, well, the person really was Larry. I mean, he would change a word or let if you improv, he would say that was good. Keep that. Um, he was really the boss. 
uh, even though he wasn't officially director. You know, TV is different from movies in that in television, the writer is king. In movies, it's the director, but in television, it's the writer. And so as the writer, Larry really ran that show. Yeah, I was going to ask what your first impression was of Larry and Jerry and how they ran the show together. They were like good. It wasn't just the show. I would run into them sometimes before they got so famous that they couldn't be seen in public. I would be I would see them in a bookstore. I'd run into them at the mall. They were always friendly. We would stop and schmooze. And uh, later on, after they became more famous, then I got to be intimidated by them. Because they were so rich and famous, I wasn't as relaxed with them. And I was sitting in a um, in a showbiz deli that doesn't exist anymore out here. And I heard I saw somebody waving, waving at me. And I didn't know who it was. And I got up and I went over. And it was Jerry, who's really a nice guy. He was sitting with a friend. And he'd see, he just called me over and said, hey, Annie, how are you? And it was very kind of him. And we talked a little bit. And I realized when I left the table... Everyone in that restaurant was looking at me thinking, hmm, who's she? She must be somebody because Jerry Seinfeld <laughs> called her over to his booth. You know, <laughs> I was still a bit player, but I suddenly felt like I had arrived in L.A. <laughs> <laughs> so like you had mentioned, your first episode was the classic season three episode, The Pen. What was your initial reaction when you first read the script? You know, honestly, I... I don't remember because, as I say, no one knew the show at that time. So it was hard to know when you read that script what it was all about. It seemed fun. It seemed funny. But I can't say I didn't read the script and think, oh, this is so brilliant. This is going to become a a global classic. To me, it was just, you know, another job, little little nothing seen, a couple of lines. I'm just happy to do it, happy to work. And I never expected to be called back. That was the nice thing. When my agent called and they said, well, they want you again doing that same character. That's always a big deal for an actor. And the fact that they did that a couple of times, and I'm also not only in those episodes, but I'm also in the 100 best. You know, they every once in a while they do that 100 best scenes or something. And one of my scenes, I don't know which one, I forget, is also in there. Um, so as I kept coming back, I got to know the people a little better. So I got friendly with some of the people. Um and they were all interesting characters. And then after the show was over, I played Jason's um, sister in a play, a production of Neil Simon's Prisoner of Second Avenue. So I actually got to do theater with him, which was a much, uh, a whole different kind of experience, but also very pleasant. I like these people. I mean, I'm not going to trash anybody. I could, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it after we stop recording. Then I'll tell you the dirt. <laughs> yeah, that's a, don't ruin the magic for our listeners. Right, right. <laughs> uh, what no, but I have nothing negative. I thought it was a lovely – once they hired you – and also what was nice there, which you can't always do, they would let you improvise, but they listened to every word. And at one moment, I just – there was a moment I felt, and I just said something, and afterwards – Larry did come over and said, you know, that line that you improvised there. Yeah, we like that. Keep it. But of course, I had to get his permission to do that. I mean, that that was something I did in a rehearsal and he okayed it. But it's nice to be in a place, especially when you're doing comedy. It's nice to feel that you can just try stuff. And my experience was that they did allow that. I don't know if that's everyone's experience, because on the other hand, Larry is a stickler for each word. 
he does want to control each word, which I understand and respect. Do you remember what word you improvised? It was in that episode, the pen, where we walk out and I was talking about, I guess it was a girl, I guess it must have been about Elaine. I said, I think maybe I said to Liz Sheridan, who played Jerry's mother, I said something like, she's adorable. Just oh yeah. The thing is that still in there? I don't remember. Yeah, that's a great line. Yeah, you're kind of saying, "Oh, she's she's adorable." Yeah, that's that's perfect. <laughs> uh, it was just something that happened in the moment. That yeah. seemed it, it seemed real for that kind of woman and that kind of situation. Oh, 100 percent. And I like that because Morty didn't know at that point yet that Jerry and Elaine stopped seeing each other because. Jerry had right. told like, his I'm mother that in the kitchen. I'm assuming that they're boyfriend and girlfriend. Right, right. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. What did you enjoy most about playing Doris? To me, any job is being paid to go to a party, basically. Uh, and and on TV, the nice thing on TV jobs is if it's a nice set, I mean, it's a friendly set, they really treat you very well. They feed you well. You have somebody following. You arrive, <laughs> you arrive, and the first thing is that someone comes up and says, "What would you like for breakfast, Annie?" <laughs> you give your food orders. You give your. I mean, it's that feeling. How should I say? Of being pampered. Who doesn't like to be pampered? Totally. Um, in the beginning, I was not happy playing Sandy Bat. This is always a problem with me. I get the guys. I'm assigned these guys to be my husband. Straight white guys my age, not my favorite people on the planet, because they're those guys who have not evolved at all, and they're still very sexist and macho and entitled, and, and so I always had to put up a lot of crap for them. And in the beginning, Sandy was that way, too. We would make our edges. He would try, you move when I move. You do. He would, like, move me around. He's not supposed act, The actors are not supposed to give other actors notes, you know? But then after a while, I got to like him and we started having fun together. And uh, one of the reasons I got to like him <laughs> uh, is that um, he started telling me stories about his sex life, which is always fun. <laughs> I'll listen to that. You're welcome. I invite you to. And he said that somebody set him up. He told me someone set him up on a blind date and the woman turned out to be actually blind. Oh. And he said it was the best sex he ever had in his life. And I thought that was such a terrific story. And <laughs> 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 we became pals. We I got to I got to appreciate him. And also those guys, those as I say, those straight white males my age, all they want you to do is laugh at their jokes. If you laugh at their jokes, you're their friend forever. They think you're the bee's knees. So I did laugh at that. I mean, it wasn't a joke. He was he was serious about it, but it was we we kind of got a little friendlier after that. You also had some great scenes with Liz Sheridan and Barney Martin. What was it like working with them both on and off camera? I love them, I love them both. Liz Sheridan had a very interesting background. She was actually, I think, a jazz singer. But what was most interesting about her, when she was a poor unknown, everyone, everyone in that cast started out as a poor unknown actor in New York, every single one of them. We all shared poverty stories. We all shared horrible side job stories, um, except for except for um, Estelle. 
Estelle was a, she was a Queens, a Long Island housewife when she started acting. She never, she started acting late in life and she was just this Long Island yenta. But Liz lived with James Dean. That's right. And, yeah. and, 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 oh, wow. and was writing a book about it at the time, which unfortunately I don't think she ever, she ever managed to complete. So that was kind of interesting that as they were starving young actors together. Yeah, that's amazing. Like the yeah. fact that she and James Dean just were even together, and then right. she went on to be part of Seinfeld. Right, right. You see, and also Barney, uh, Barney was a wonderful Broadway actor, and he did one of my favorite. I think he did. Um, I think he was in Chicago, and I think he did that great number, Cellophane Man. I think he had done that. I'm pretty sure I, you guys could probably look it up in two seconds on your phone. But anyway, I think I had seen him on Broadway. So it was a very, it was a wonderfully accomplished group of actors, I would say. And the only one who wasn't, who was not an experienced actor was Jerry. (laughs) (laughs) And you can see that sometimes that he can't, that the other people stay in character. Sometimes when I watch it, I think he's trying to, he's trying hard not to laugh. Oh yeah. Don't you get that? Don't you feel that sometimes when you're watching oh, him? Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, and he, and he was playing himself, you know. Yeah. Um, and he did something very brilliant, I think, in the in the or they did something very brilliant in the creation of the show. When you think about the characters, basically Jerry's the least interesting character. He's the least quirky. He's the least. I mean, uh, he's kind of the dull guy compared to. Obviously, Kramer and uh, Costanza and the rest of them. Uh, he's the straight, in a way, he's the straight man, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But uh, over the years, how shall I say this? People, there have been all kinds of theories about why that show was the huge success that it was. And no one knows the answer to that except moi. And I'll tell you what it is. Um... The secret of every successful sitcom always has been, and this is like Hollywood wisdom, is that you spend time with these people because you want to be part of their family. It's a family. I mean, literally modern family. You want to be with that family. And any other, you think of any other uh, Sex in the City or name any other great great sitcoms, they, they make you friends. You're part of that family. Now, on Seinfeld, on the surface of it, that does not fit that description. And Larry David would not want to. I mean, he, he's kind of a maverick. He sees things in a different and dark way. These people do terrible things to each other, right? <laughs> right. I mean, Kramer eats Jerry's food and messes up his life. And I mean, they steal, I don't know if they steal from each other, but they do terrible things. To, they cause each other a lot of grief. They don't keep their word. They don't do what they're supposed to do, right? So they're always like punishing each other in some way. But they always forgive each other. They always go on. Nothing ruins their friendship. And that, to me, I think that's the reason the show has done what it's done. Because they're saying, these are people, you can be who you are with them. They will never abandon you. You can be as obnoxious and as selfish and as as narcissistic as you want. They will always answer the door and let you in. 
And now, is that a brilliant? Is that the most brilliant interpretation you've ever heard of the success of that show? That is yeah. a game changer right there. It is. That is that is amazing. Wow. Larry <clears throat> would probably hate it if he heard this because <laughs> he didn't want. What did he say? There's a famous quote from him. He said he didn't want character arc. It, oh, that's another thing. In in most in theory, in all of storytelling, because I also teach writing, you know, I'm a writer. Uh, your character is supposed to improve at the end of the story. Not in Seinfeld. Nobody ever gets better. Nobody ever improves. And that no and that is Larry David's deliberate. I mean, he's doing the same thing now in Curb. His character <laughs> says, say, stays the same schmucky, insensitive <laughs> you know, guy from the beginning to the end. He never changes. He never learns. Uh, but again, he's got a family there with Leon, with his manager, with whatever. Those guys there that his 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 posse, they they forgive each other. They stay together. <laughs> so you had a front row seat to some of Julia's best performances in the series. And a great example of this was in the airport episode. How did that role come about? And what was it like performing those scenes with her? I was really impressed with her. First of all, I was surprised when I got the call. Uh, when they said they want you to come back and just do a small part, a, a second character. Again, for any actor, that's that's a great gift. We have to work so hard for every little job we get. And for someone to just say, we want you, come on in, the job is yours. That's quite amazing. Uh, but I was so impressed with her fearlessness. She would do, t- she would, because there's some physical stuff in that episode where she's on the plane and she's falling and she's losing her way. And she, and she would do those things over and over. And she was pregnant at the time. I was actually worried about her. She was simply fearless. That was pretty impressive. I didn't get as friendly with her as I did with some of the other people. I don't know why. It just, she just wasn't around as much. Um, I, I had more time to spend with, with, with Jerry, Jason and, and the, the others. Um, but I'll tell you one interesting thing that happened uh, for me, what did happen besides the residuals is that um, it opened doors for me, the prestige of being connected with that show and doing a recurring role in that show actually changed my career in, in very important ways. And and it still has. I, it's still today. They'll say, oh, it's Annie Corson. You know, she was our accomplice on Seinfeld. And I always expect people to go, who? She play who? But they actually do know it. They actually do know that character, which surprises me. But so for me, again, the fact that I said yes to this role that this other actress didn't want to bother with um, had really major impact on my life. Because casting people now treated me with a different kind of respect. Did you ever notice if any of the actors had any difficulty shooting their scenes? I was on one episode that had a famous movie star. I can't remember his name. And even if I did, I wouldn't share it with you. Um, he couldn't remember his lines. He kept going up on his lines. And they were very patient. And they just <laughs> kept going over and over and over until he got it. Now, Jerry Stiller, who's one of my favorites, and I know him. I know his family. I know his wife and his daughter because I used to live around the corner from them on West End Avenue. Jerry had a great fear of not knowing his lines and he had somebody with him drilling him constantly 
There was someone walking with him, drilling him on his lines constantly. But he never dropped a line. He was word perfect. But again, he came from theater. There's a different discipline when you come from theater. The story I always tell about him is I was back in New York. uh, For some reason, I was walking down Broadway. Jerry and I both from the Upper West Side of Manhattan. And uh, and I ran into him. I said, hi, Jerry. He said, oh, hi, Annie. So, but this is so, this is like what every, <laughs> I always say I'm like, what every thespian says, says Elizabeth, Elizabethan times, whatever, what every thespian says to another thespian, Jerry says to me, so, you're working? <laughs> 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 I thought that was so funny. But I once ran into Jerry at a Broadway theater, and it was a production of the Cherry Orchard by a traveling Russian theater company. Now, you had to be a really serious theater intellectual to to buy a ticket for something like that. And I went by myself, and in the um, intermission, who do I run into but Jerry? Not only do I run into him, but he starts analyzing the play to me and pointing out which characters are totally misunderstood usually. He knew everything about Chekhov. And he knew clearly, clearly not just that play, probably all of Chekhov plays. So that that character he's playing was not who he was. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Very well-informed, well-educated man. I have a favorite line of his. I want, I don't even remember the episode. I'll t- can I tell you the line? Please. I will not tolerate infestation. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's like one of the most brilliant lines ever written. But that use of language, I mean, that's the genius of that show. To have these kind of highfalutin words, highfalutin words, infestation, tolerate, coming out of the mouth of this jerk you know? I, mean, <laughs> I mean that's just so brilliant and the way he delivers it with the food in his mouth is just perfect is that what it is so you oh. really you guys know every scene every word right oh absolutely and you mentioned them briefly but did you get to interact with jason or michael at all during your time on the show not too much michael because we weren't in the same actually come to think of it i was not in the same scenes with either one of them was i you probably know more I don't think I was in the same scene with our woman, but Jason, somehow we started talking because we were both parents and we talked about kids and Jason is a very devoted family man, very devoted to his kids. But actually I got much closer to him when I did that theater piece with him, because then we were all working together. We we're all in the same scenes together. Uh, if you're not in the same scene with an actor on a show, you don't have that much opportunity to, you know, and then, you know, there's a kind of a, um, what do you call it? A pecking order. If you're what I was, uh, it's sort of a day player, a guest. When it comes to meals, the principles sit together. I would not go and bring my tray of fruit, food and sit down with, if, if, if Jerry, Jason, Michael, and Julia were at the same table, I would not go and sit down with them. It would not be considered appropriate. They're the principals. They work together every day. They have their issues. They have their relationship. So you kind of you kind of learn to when to kind of when to be friendly and when to kind of stay out of the way. It's a it's a it's a it's a kind of a delicate dance that you have to um, 
to choreograph for yourself. But it's important because I've seen some people really, really be inappropriate with the main actors. And uh, it's, it's not cool. It's not cool. So you appeared in four different seasons of Seinfeld. Did you notice any major changes to the production as the seasons went on? I don't think so, except once we had to stop the show because the head of a whole company of suits came down. And one of them was the head of, what is it? Was it GE? What was the corporation that owned, owned I guess, NBC and owned the show? Was it, was it GE? I think it was GE. Yeah, I think so. And it was the head of GE who came down to shake hands. He was coming to kind of pay uh, allegiance to Jerry, who was nice and polite. But you could see it was some kind of important political move that, again, I just kind of stayed out of the way. Although the guy actually came and shook my hand as well. Oh, by the way, these shows were filmed for a live audience. Yeah. And that made it more fun. That made it more like a theater thing. So you got real laughs. And at the end, you came out and you took real uh, curtain calls. So show day was really a show. So let's go through some of the scenes that you were in, starting with the pen. There was your first scene when you come into the condo and you meet and you talk with Jerry's parents. And then there was <laughs> later on when Jack and Morty are fighting with each other. Yeah, uh, that's have a uncomfortable i don't like looking at that scene because i didn't feel i did what i was what i should have done i thought i held myself back i didn't really respond i mean i'm sitting there and my husband and this guy are like almost in fisticuffs right with each other and i'm just sitting there not doing anything and i always felt that i should have taken some kind of I don't know. I just felt that acting wise, I didn't totally do my job at that moment. I, what does it look like when you look at it? That's interesting to me because I actually loved your performance in that scene because you're kind of just sitting there drinking your wine like, oh, you're just going to let these two idiots fight like you, you don't you don't even care. Well, that's <laughs> you, well, you're quite right. I mean, that's the choice I made at that. Like, I can't stand these idiots. I'm just going to, you know, I hope it's all over. soon. <laughs> but I wasn't sure if that was a true, a really true response. I mean, if my husband were fighting. Actually, I think maybe what happened, I did get up and try and do something. And I think maybe the director told me not to do that. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that's as actors. I, I, I try and redo things when I watch them. I think, oh, I could have done better at that. How did you like how your scene came out in the airport? I thought that was fun, the whole kosher thing. <laughs> yeah. It depends on how the rabbi kills the pig. I mean, it's such a, it's such a crazy line, you know, and I say it with, with a lot of authority because I know. A lot of confidence. Uh, <laughs> and I thought another scene I did well with is in the raincoats when he's on the phone. Oh. Sandy Brown, my husband, is on the phone with Barney New York, right? And they're saying, do this. And I'm saying something about, what does he want from you? Why does he bother you with these raincoats? I thought that was I thought that was well done. I'm in my nightgown or something, and these crazy guys are carrying on about these stupid raincoats. <laughs> That's probably my favorite uh, of all the scenes you're in, those scenes you have with, with Sandy Barron and Scott Klompus, and yeah. you're yelling at him while he's on the phone. <laughs> yeah, I think so, too. I think it's probably my – well, because you know what? I'm actually more active in that scene. Yeah. Uh, that I'm really trying to make a point. Otherwise, I'm, I'm just kind of passive. Uh, in a lot of shows, 
really it's the guys who get the the guys say what needs to be said and the women are just kind of kind of a passive agreer they don't the women are not starters as a matter of fact that was a big complaint of Estelle's she said that when she started there what was she had that great that fabulous episode the contest and they liked her so much and that was also supposed to be just one time they brought her back and they brought in Jerry. And she always felt that she had been kind of overlooked, although what she does is brilliant. Her character is great. But she thought, why do they have to bring in a, a guy? Couldn't they just have had me? Uh, but women have felt like that about television for a long time because it's true. And by the way, I do love those scenes that you have with Sandy when you're yelling at him while he's on the phone because... I think every husband can relate to that. They're just trying to talk to their friend and their wife is like, what are you doing? What is he having you do now? <laughs> Who are you talking to? Why, why is he calling so late? Hang up, hang up. <laughs> <laughs> I also like that scene in the Cadillac when you're coming out of the restaurant. <laughs> I, know. I know. And they're not, and they're too late for the early bird special. <laughs> That's right. Do I say better than Denny's or does he say better than Denny's? No, you're right. Yeah, you do say better than Danny's. And, and, oh, uh, oh. Yeah, and Jack is like, Danny's, come on. Right. <laughs> God, you guys are insane. I can't believe and by it. The way, come on. And, by, and by the way, I love how you're looking at the Cadillac in that scene. Mm-hmm. So perfect. <laughs> and, uh, it's just, yes, I love that choice you took. Attitude. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you have to, as an actor, I keep trying to learn to get better and better. Anything you do, you have to have a point of view about it. A- any word or any any action, you need to have a point of view. Otherwise, it's not human. It's not live, right? But thanks. I appreciate that. I like hearing that, that my point of view was clear. Yeah, I, I work yeah. on that all the time, really. I definitely think it was. And it helped that the scenes with Jerry's mom, she would talk about you and say, like, that Dora, she's got some mouth. She'll tell the whole condo now how you gave him the pen. (laughs) They're talking about it right now. (laughs) Right, right, right. right. I forgot that, too. You guys are amazing. Then they apologized to me. They left me out of an episode. And they actually apologized. There was a second episode about the Cadillac. And they did not include my character. And they actually, I forget who it was, either Jerry or somebody said, sorry, sorry, Annie, but we're not going to use you in that. So I got cheated out of out of an episode, not cheated. But for some reason, they, they didn't see any need for my character. That was disappointing. Yeah, they mentioned you in the episode. But yeah, unfortunately. I think uh, so. They, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, do you have a favorite episode that you were in? I, I think the airplane one is pretty terrific. Yeah. Off the top of my head. <laughs> I mean, I love them all. I think it's a great show. Uh, my favorite episode in general, one of my favorite episodes, is the one, the uh, the Korean nail place. Yeah. That's got to be one of the greatest episodes ever. <laughs> Where Absolutely. It takes them to, uh, to see Bette Midler and... And he walks in and there's his old lover. I mean, Jerry finds his old lover. I mean, that's just oh. one of the greatest episodes ever, I think. 
Well, Jerry Stiller has another great line in that episode. This guy, this is not my kind of guy. (laughs) (laughs) And who is that about? Who does he say that about? He's telling the story of when he met the the woman's father that he that he met in Korea, and he said, "Oh, you know, her father looked at me and said in Korean, you know, know, she know, which means this guy, he's not my kind of guy." Oh. <laughs> okay, all right, okay, okay. Yeah, I just well, I want to watch that again. That's such a great episode. What cast member were you the closest with? Liz, I would say Liz Sheridan. She and I, I don't know, we just had a lot in common. We used to like to talk. I had a lot in common with Estelle, but Estelle was a little more, I don't know how to say, she was a little more competitive. And Liz Liz was just very generous and very, she was just a lovely person. She had an odd obsession besides jazz. She went to the races. She, was a, she, she always went to the um the Hollywood, what's the famous, what's the famous racetrack? And as a matter of fact, they had a rap And though, here's the worst thing that happened to me on that show. And I still don't know why. For some reason, my name was not on the list for the rap party. I never got invited. And every time I came to the set, someone would come up to me, even Jerry's. I mean, hi, honey, why was you at the rap party? And I would say, well, I wasn't invited. So by some kind of technical screw up, I miss those parties, and for the rest of my life, I will be heartbroken about that. But anyway, at one of those events, I mean, this is not on the set. This is where they would have, they would take a separate venue and have everyone that year who worked on the show. So this was a big deal, and I missed it for four years in a row. And uh, and one of the times, um, Liz, uh, she got them to have the rap party at the that at that racetrack that's where they had it oh wow <laughs> she had all kinds of inns there and she was a member or i don't know what so so one year they had it there yeah <laughs> uh whose performance did you enjoy watching the most i really have to say kramer i just think that 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 physicality i've just never seen that in my life just to see him walk in a door, just to see him every, I, I, I just, it, I, it never fails. It's never old. I laugh each time. I mean, I love them all. Of course, Jason is terrific. Uh, I mean, they're all terrific. Oh, I worked on another show another time with Wayne, Wayne oh, Knight. Yeah. A couple yeah. of years after some show he did, I think it was called The Exes. Didn't last very long. And we got to talking and again, like Jerry Stiller, he's such a different person. Very smart, <laughs> very educated, very well spoken. I mean, you think of that pig that he played. You know, <laughs> it was, believe me, nothing like that. He was a lovely, a lovely, intelligent man. Do you have a favorite <laughs> memory from your time on the show? In some ways, I would have to say it was that moment where I don't remember who said it to who in the the scene I was talking about, the first scene where I improvise, where somebody said, I think Jerry said to Larry, I think, hey, Larry, did you see what Annie just did? And that's when they told me to keep it. That, As an actor, that meant something to me. So I guess you might say that was my personal and my ego, my ego's favorite moment <laughs> that I got that kind of notice and recognition and approval. 
Have you seen any of the cast or crew members since the show ended? Well, as I say, I worked with Jason and I worked with Wayne. Uh, I used to run into, yes, and I used to run into Liz and Estelle. First of all, I run into them at other auditions, like, like commercial auditions, because we're kind of basically in the same category and it's screenings. So I'd run into them quite, quite some time, quite a bit. And it was always very friendly and very nice. And Estelle has or had, I don't think she's too well. Known. I don't know what's happening with her right now. I'm afraid. I, I don't know what's going on with her. But she, like me, is a um, yard sale addict. <laughs> so I'd run into her at yard sales looking for bargains. And we would laugh about that. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and she always liked my husband. She would really say hi to your husband. <laughs> so what were your thoughts on the seinfeld finale the finale well i mean it was brilliant but i always have a problem i have the same problem i have the same problem with curb these shows are brilliant you can't take away from them but i'm somebody who is so shallow i actually like happy endings and i i get a little unsatisfied when things always end up not going well. The idea that they're in jail, you know, it's, I mean, it, 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 um, I don't thoroughly enjoy that kind of thing, but that's my fault. Really. It's not there. They're, they're doing their show. I just wish sometimes that good things would happen to people, to, to the characters. <laughs> Nothing good ever happens to any of them. I don't know. Does it? George has some good stuff that happens to him in the opposite. You know, he does the opposite of uh, of whatever he chooses. Yeah, he decides not to, be, not to be him. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I once asked Jason, when we got friendly, when we were doing that show, sometimes he would drive me home because I don't drive. Uh, and I was saying, so I was saying, so how do you deal with your kids? Because I said, as I said, he's a very devoted father. I said, how do you deal with your kids being brought up with so much privilege? and wealth and fame and blah, blah. How do you deal with that? And he said, well, I'll tell you how I deal with it. He took his kids to Disneyland uh, one day and they had a VIP thing. Uh, and the reason George, take, they take these VIP things is because if they have to stand online with everybody, then they don't have any privacy. Everybody's gonna come over. I want to talk, I want an autograph or something. So this is just their way of protecting the kids from that kind of public public uh, uh, attention. So they were, they were about to go to the VIP line and the kids though saw all the regular people waiting online to get in. And one of the kids said something like, oh, look at all these losers that they have to wait online. And Jason said, excuse me? And he turned down the VIP thing. He went back on the line with everybody else just to teach his boys to have more respect for people who didn't have the privileges that they had. And I, I thought that was a wonderful story. I really do. Wow, that, that is amazing. Mm-hmm. So how did Seinfeld open the door for other opportunities in your career? Well, it, I could see that I was getting seen more. You know, out here, the big thing for an actress, how many auditions do you get? I don't get a lot because I'm, oh, I've always been in a very narrow category, you know, kind of dewy looking New York 
character type. Um, but I saw that that after every episode of Seinfeld, I, I don't know how to say, I just started getting seen more, more casting directors knew me. And by now it's like, they really knew. I, I've reached the point, Knockwood, where sometimes I don't have to audition. A casting director will call my agent and say, could Annie come in? If there's, if these are still tiny roles, but they will say, could Annie work two days for us next week? And that's a big thing out here. That's that that's a big deal uh, because a, an actor's career here, basically, unless you're a star, is basically on is banging on doors that never open. So I feel I don't have to bang so hard anymore. If something, if I'm right for something, chances are I will be seen for it. I have now been called in, as a matter of fact, for Curb. They've called me in three times. Oh and wow! Still haven't booked me, and I don't know what's going on. And the cat is a very legendary casting director on that show, Allison Jones, um, who said to my agent, look, tell Annie we love her and we'll just keep calling her in. So I'm still waiting. I'm waiting for my moment there. <laughs> That's the show actors like me want to be seen on, needless to say. Right. <laughs> And like we mentioned earlier, you recently became a TikTok sensation with nearly 300,000 followers and 5 million likes in a very short amount of time. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about your TikTok channel? Yes. Uh, uh, through uh, much to my amazement, I now have something like a quarter of a million followers on TikTok. And one of my TikToks has gone viral, has over 7 million views. I don't understand it. I can't explain it. Uh, I just talk the way I'm talking to you. I talk about the same things I've talked about all my life and I have discovered a whole new audience. I don't get it, but I'm not complaining. It's been terrific. I was on the cover of the LA calendar section and I was on Dr. Phil, (laughs) 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 believe it or not. And, uh, it's been fun. It's really been fun. And when I started TikTok, you only had... You had 60 seconds, 60 seconds to make a statement. And I usually, I'm a storyteller. I do a lot of storytelling. You know, I I work with a moth and I teach storytelling. And uh, my stories are generally between 10 and 12 minutes. So for TikTok, I had to figure out how to to compress that into 60 seconds. And then now they've made it longer. Now you've got three minutes, but now I've gotten so used to compressing my thoughts that now I'm often done before the three minutes are up. And the the the, the Krispy Kreme one is like, I don't know, it's like 40 seconds or 50 seconds. I don't know. It's under it's under a minute. <laughs> so it's strange. It's a whole new world. That's true. And so before we let you go, we're just going to get into our final segment. It's called This, That, and the Other. Basically, we just ask you a question, and the first thing that comes to mind, you let us know. First question is a uh, favorite actor or director you've ever worked with. Oh my God. I, I have not. I just worked with Paul White, uh, a movie and uh, a movie with Jane Fonda and Lee Tomlin and Paul White's made one of my favorite movies called about a boy. So I think I have to say that I also love Georgia Pritchett who wrote, she wrote Veep, she wrote Succession, and now she's the, the main writer, one of the, the head writers of um, of The Shrink Next Door. She's an extraordinary 
woman, English woman. Mm-hmm. And we've gotten kind of friendly. So these are people I value. Uh, but I would have to really. All right. That's my answer. I can't think of anything more. <laughs> Perfect. What role or performance are you proudest of besides Seinfeld? Uh well, I really like my solo shows. I write my own stuff, and, and that means more to me than anything. I mean, I'm happy to be on a show speaking other people's words, but what I like most is speaking my own words. When I work with the moth, you know the moth? Yeah. Oh, don't say you don't know the moth. Come on. <laughs> I tour with them, and my the greatest experience of my life was doing my own story on a moth lineup at, at a sold-out show at the Schubert Theater in Boston. Schubert Theater is the oldest theater in the in the country. And that was just such a thrill to walk on that stage, be in that venue, and tell my story about my son's two Jewish wedding. That was that was a big, big thrill. <laughs> if you could play another character on Seinfeld, who would it be and why? Well, I guess a sales role. Yeah. I'd want to play. That's right. That's right. That's the role. That that would have been the role for me, definitely. Good question. <laughs> Good question. Painful answer. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite film? Well, one that my husband was involved in, a Danish movie called Babette's Feast. Did you ever see it? Won the Oscar uh, for Best Foreign Film quite a few years ago. It's one of the greatest movies ever, Babette's Feast. But I have a lot of us. Um, uh, Enchanted April. You wouldn't see that. That's probably too girly for you. And I we watch the Godfather trilogy all the way through once every couple of years. I have a list of them. I have yeah. a list of favorite TV shows. But um, I'm trying to think of other movies. Uh, E.T. is one of my favorite films. I watch that also every couple of years. Uh, Who is your favorite comedian? Uh, off the top of my head right now, I would say Chris Rock. And although I don't see her as a comedian, but I love, is it pronounced Aquafina? Oh, or yeah. Aquafina. Aquafina, yeah. Aquafina is Nora from Queens. Why is that not nominated for everything? It is so brilliant. It is <laughs> so brilliant. Uh, I'm a major fan of hers. And of course, the, the two, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. You can't beat those, beat them. Uh, most starstruck you've ever been? I think Paul Newman was sitting behind me in New York in the park, a chaser in the park. He was sitting right behind me. And I had to control myself because I know he doesn't like to be approached. So I had to control myself and be cool and not turn around and say something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that was taking all your strength. <laughs> <laughs> and final thing, favorite moment of your career? Well, I, I, again, it would have to be performing with the Moth. It, it, it's being alone on stage in front of a sold-out house. I did it in Boston, in L.A., in St. Louis, and in Berkeley. And there were all wonderful spaces and big crowd. I like a big audience. I'm much more comfortable in front of 2,000 people than in front of 20 people, which is what you get when you do theater in L.A., because L.A. is not a theater town. Being alone on stage, stage, Speaking my word to an audience that really gets it, that's really orgasmically blissful. It's, that's, that's the biggest high that you can get. Well, this was an honor to talk to you. I mean, you're Seinfeld royalty to us, and we just... I don't know why. You're crazy. <laughs> I'm nobody. I'm nothing. I'm nobody. Oh, that's not true at all. It's quite the opposite. 
You're a resident of the Pines of Mar Gables. I'll never forget you. <laughs> You're married to one of the most classic TV characters of all time on screen. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> and that's the way I do is describe myself. They don't know who I'm going to say. I'm married to Jack, who's always fighting with Jerry's father. That's how I explain my character to people. <laughs> What's the name of the condo in Florida? The, the Pines of Mar Gables. The Pines of Mar Gables? Why don't I remember that? That's so odd. I thought it had a different name. Okay, well, that's you know better than I. Yeah, that's like the first condo complex they live in, and then they get kicked out, and then they move to Del Boca Vista, which is like the more famous. See, I remember Del Boca Vista more. And for some yeah. reason, I lived there, so I didn't live in Del Boca Vista. I lived in. No. <laughs> this is so funny. And I've been to those places. I've performed those places. They are not fun and not a good audience. Oh. <laughs> They're not a they're not an exciting cast of characters like Barney Martin and Lee Sheridan. No, no. I've always had nothing but bad experiences in Florida. As far as I'm concerned, I'm not gonna say what I want to say about Florida. <laughs> <laughs> but they captured that world down in Florida so well, and I always loved any of the episodes that Jerry went down to Florida because I knew those episodes were gonna be so funny. And you were a great reason why they were so great. And it was such an honor to talk to you today. Thank you so much for joining us. I loved it. Thank you. Yeah, thanks a lot. This was a lot of fun. We hope you have a great night and take care. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye. Take care. Thank you for listening to our interview with Annie Corzin. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email us at theplacetobeseinfeld at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook at The Place to Be, a Seinfeld podcast, Twitter at TPTB Seinfeld, and Instagram at theplacetobe.podcast. You can find our show on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like, please rate and review. It really helps us out. Until next time, be sure to hang up your pants for the perfect crease. Yeah? Hello, Morty. Listen. I can't get in the garage. What do you mean? There is something wrong with the key. The key doesn't work. You gotta jiggle it a little bit. I jiggled it. I jiggled it for 15 minutes. Tell him to come down here and get his own packages. You have nothing better to do than to worry about his boxes. You gotta pull on the knob as you turn it. Get the hell out of here with your knob. What from you? My idiot son could open that garage door. What do I do? Kosher meal? I don't want a kosher meal. I, I don't even know what a kosher meal is. Uh, I think it means when a rabbi has inspected it or something. No, no. It all has to do with the way they kill the pig. Now, come on, but they don't eat pigs. They do if it's killed right, under a rabbi's supervision. Was that delicious or what? Where are you going to get a better meal than that? It's better than Danny's. Danny's? Come on. You broke the window? You broke the window? You wanted those damn boxes, didn't you? He should be on his hands and knees thanking you. <laughs>